Welcome to the weekly Comic Web Old Time Radio Program podcast. We sell old time radio programs, Golden Age comics in PDF format, and we have other free podcasts. Visit comicweb.com for more information or find us on Facebook and iTunes. This week our podcast features two episodes of The Air Adventures of Jimmy Allen. They first aired in 1937. And now we return to Jimmy Allen. Work has been progressing on the air movie Coffin Nails, in which Jimmy Allen and Speed Robertson are flying. However, the Pacific Studios are filming a similar picture, the flying scenes of which are under the direction of Nails Baloo. It is generally understood that only one picture of this type can be successfully marketed, so both studios are fighting desperately to complete their picture. We now find Jimmy and Speed in the operations office on the flying field at El Toque. The boys have forgotten movies and events of the past two days and are now discussing the part they will play in the Vanderpool Cup race. Jimmy is speaking. Well, Speed, I, I guess we won't be here much longer. Yeah, Jim, our movie careers are just about finished. I guess you're anxious to get back east and start preparing for the transcontinental race. Yeah, that should be a real race this year. You uh, you haven't received any word from the monsoon people about me, have you, Speen? Well, not yet, but... Ah, oh, don't you worry. We'll hear one way or another before long. Oh, I hope so. Do you really think I have a chance? Oh, why not, Jim? Yeah, I think you got a very good chance. And you'll make good, too. Oh. If I didn't think so, I wouldn't have recommended you. Oh, thanks, Speed. I, I'll bet that monsoon job will be a plenty powerful baby. You can say that again. Say, Speed, what's the dope on this mystery ship that the Mercury people have built? Well, they call her the Mercury Mystery Ship, and she's well-named. I haven't been able to get any dope so far from anyone but a friend of mine. And he heard that on a test flight, she easily exceeded the world's record. Oh, gosh, that's going to be some race. But say, who's going to fly the mystery ship? Well, that's part of the mystery, I guess. I've checked up on all the racing pilots I know, and I can't figure out who's going to fly her. When they started construction about six months ago, they approached me about it. Well, they knew they couldn't do better. Oh, thanks, kid. Well, suppose we forget the Vanderpool race for the time being and concentrate on the job we got to do here. Well, how do things look to you now, Speed? We sure have shot a lot of scenes the last couple of days. Yeah, I know, Jim. We're making good time. The boys have been working hard, and Flash has kept the ships running for us. We really have nothing to complain about. What does Director Stewart think about it? Did you talk to him today? No, I didn't, Jim. We were both so busy, I didn't get a chance. He's coming down here, though. I'll be here in a few minutes. Oh, I imagine he wants to discuss the balance of our work with me. The Pacific crowd have been doing a lot of flying, too. Seemed to me their ships were in the air all day today. Yeah, I know it. Uh, Baloo is driving his pilots like a Simon Legree. He's making it tough for us, too. He sure is. How does the thing stand? Do you think we can complete our picture ahead of Pacific? I don't know, Jim. I'll frankly admit it has me worried. Flash Lewis is telling me today that he understands Pacific is about through with its air scenes. One of the mechanics from over at Pacific told him. Mm, that doesn't sound so good, does it? That's bad news, Jimmy. You remember what Mr. Milligan told us a few days ago? If our picture is not completed ahead of Pacific's, we may as well chuck it in a wastebasket. Yeah. Well, I still can't understand why Mr. Milliken and the Mammoth Company can't prevent Pacific Studios from copying our story. Yeah, it does look sort of funny. But as Stewart explained it to me, this Pacific crowd is clever enough to make sufficient changes in the story to get by. That sure is a dirty trick, though. Yeah, Stewart tells me they have a reputation for just this sort of thing. Some studio out here in Hollywood gets a good story, gets in production with it... And this Pacific crowd gets one of the deals somewhere or other and makes a picture just like it. And the first picture that reaches the exhibitors is the one that sells, huh? That seems to be the idea, all right. Well, it certainly seems to work out that way. The Pacific crowd are breaking their necks to get all the air scenes filmed. Yeah. yeah and I've noticed that, generally speaking, their air scenes are not as complicated as ours. Either that or the director is more easily satisfied. It doesn't seem to take them nearly as long to do their stuff as it does ours. Yeah, I've noticed that, Jim. 
In fact, I mentioned it to Stewart yesterday. But I'll say this for Stewart. He knows exactly what he wants, and he isn't satisfied until he gets it. That's right. I guess he's a good director, all right. I don't blame him a bit, either. The flying scenes we do are as near perfect as it's possible to get them. But it takes time. More than once, we've reshot a scene two or three times because Stewart wasn't satisfied with it. From what I've seen of that Pacific bunch, they very seldom bother to retake any of their flying work. What can we do about it, Spain? Well, I'm frank to say, I don't know. We utilize all available flying time. In fact, we work a lot harder than those Pacific pilots. But in the long run, we don't accomplish any more, and in some cases, not as much. Say, Speed, you know, I have an idea. By George, I just thought of something, and I bet it'll work. It might be the answer to this whole situation. Well, if you have any good ideas, for heaven's sake, tell me. All right, now listen to this. It seems to me that if we sort of... Excuse me a minute, Jimmy. I'll see who this is. Sure, go ahead. Ah, hello, Mr. Stewart. Come in. I've been inspecting you. Hello, Speed. Jimmy. Hello. Sit down. Make yourself comfortable, Mr. Stewart. Thank you. You look worried. What's happened now? More trouble? Robertson, I'm plenty worried. I've been in a blue haze all day. Well, I thought the work went along pretty smoothly today. We got in a whole lot of flying and some nice scenes. Gee, that fight between the Thunderbolts and the 190s was wonderful. Everybody remarked about it. Yes, yes, I know about that. Not referring to the quality of our work. I'm satisfied with that, thank goodness. If I wasn't, we'd do it over. Yeah, I know that, all right. Well, what's troubling you, then? It's the problem of time, Robertson. Time. We've been fighting against it since the first minute I set foot on this field of yours. We're not getting enough work done. Well, we're doing all we can, Mr. Stewart. Yes, but that isn't enough. I spend half my time looking at the clock and checking the calendar. We must speed up. Devise ways to do this work faster. Stuart, I'm beginning to think that you and Milliken expect too much from us. We have a good crowd of pilots here and a hard-working bunch of mechanics. These ships and engines are old. They require a lot of care. You demand almost ideal conditions for your filming. The light has to be just so. The cloud formations must be right. In other words, the success of every scene you take is dependent upon a good many different and entirely unrelated factors. It's necessary that all these things dovetail perfectly. If they don't, it means reshooting a scene, and that takes time. And understand me now, I'm not complaining. The pilots are not growling, and the mechanics are not laying down on the job, in spite of the long hours and the adverse working conditions. But after all, there's a limit to the work that can be accomplished in a given amount of time. That may be so, Robertson. But I've noticed that the Pacific Flyers accomplish more work than we do. And they're working under the same conditions. I beg to differ with you there, Mr. Stewart. They are not working under the same conditions. In the first place, Mr. Pelletier is not as exacting as you are. In the second place, we've had some, well, we've had some unfortunate delays caused by, by mechanical failures, which they didn't have. Pelletier is a shoddy director. I wouldn't countenance work, which he approves. And I don't blame you a bit. But on the other hand, you mustn't expect to get better work in the same amount of time. Everybody's remarked, Mr. Stewart, that the scenes you take are much better than his. Of course they are. I know that. And, of course, the whole trouble is this. We have to complete our picture before Pacific finishes theirs. We're under a bad handicap. That's the whole thing in a nutshell, Robertson. If it weren't for Pacific, I wouldn't be in such a mad rush. But what can we do? What Mr. Milliken told us the other day is absolutely correct. Unless we finish our picture ahead of Pacific, it's utterly... I have an idea. In fact, I was just about to explain it to Speed when you came in. It might get us out of this whole difficulty. If you have a solution, my lad, let's have it. I'll admit the whole thing is about to drive me balmy. Now go ahead, Jimmy. What is this idea of yours? Well, as I understand it, the Pacific Studios have copied this story, Coffin Nails, and are filming one just like it, right? Yes, that's right, Jimmy. While neither Mr. Milliken nor I have seen the scenario, we're certain it's a direct steal of Coffin Nails. 
Of course, they made a few changes in the manuscript in order to avoid any legal question of plagiarism. They're smart enough to do that. Yeah, there seems to be no doubt about that. We discussed it before. I guess we all agree that Nails Baloo, while he had the scenario coffin nails in his possession, got the idea of the story. All right. Now, as I understand it, Mr. Milliken originally gave Baloo the story to read. Now, if we have it doped out right, Baloo took the story, made a copy of it, and then returned the original to Mr. Milliken. That's my understanding of what happened. Although, of course, we have no proof that Baloo actually copied the scenario. Now, that's just what I'm getting at. If we could get definite proof that Baloo did copy that story, what would happen? If you could do that, Jimmy, Pacific Studios would never release their air picture. I can tell you that. Are you sure of it, Mr. Stewart? Don't be silly. I'm positive. Pacific wouldn't even fight the case. If we could prove that, we'd have clear sailing. All right. That's all I want to know. Ah, what's in the wind, Jim? What are you up to now? Never mind. Just leave it to me. Ah, Jimmy, I wish you luck. But I don't think you'll get any proof against Baloo. If you do, it'll mean everything in the world to us. Well, I'll pop along now. And say, Speed, have your ships on the line at 6 in the morning. We have a full day tomorrow. We'll do our darndest, Mr. Stewart. You can bank on that. Good night. Good night. See you in the morning. Hey, Jimmy, what do you have up your sleeve? What's this business about you finding some, some proof against Baloo? Now, listen, Speed. We all think Baloo copied this manuscript. Yeah, yeah, I think he did. Well, if he copied it, the copy must be around somewhere. And it's probably in his quarters. Oh, in his quarters, huh? I see what you're after now, you scamp. <laughs> well, don't you don't you agree with me? Jimmy, I'll tell you what I think happened. After Baloo read over our scenario, he probably was all set to go to work for Milliken. Then when you and I came into the picture, he was told that Milliken was going to hire us, and he'd be left out in the cold. He probably trots over to Pacific with a story and sells them on the idea of using it. You know, he may even have claimed that he wrote that story himself. If Baloo did that, he must have a copy of the original story. And by George, if he does, I'm going to find it. How are you going to do it? I'm not just sure yet, Speed, but don't worry. I'll figure out some way. Here, wait till I see who this is. Hello? Ah, hello, Roy. Yeah, Jimmy is here. Ah, you're not interrupting anything important. Jimmy and I are just sitting here talking. Okay. Yeah, Jim, Roy wants to talk to you. Okay. Hello? Oh, yeah, Roy. Sure. Oh, that's right. I'd forgotten we planned on going into town tonight. But say, Roy, come over here right away. Yeah, right away. I want to talk to you about something. Well, you see, I need some help, Roy. I have a job that sort of requires some help, and I think you're the man that can do it. Oh, yeah, and incidentally, it'll be helping your father. Uh-huh. Well, it's something to do with Baloo. Yeah, I know how you feel about him, Roy. All right, now here's the dope. Tomorrow morning, Baloo is scheduled to be flying at about 9 o'clock. Now, I want you to meet me. Now, Roy, I'll tell you just how we'll work this sort of thing. We'll have to be very careful, but... Can Jimmy expose Baloo's dishonesty? Can he secure proof that will save the picture coffin nails? Listen to the next thrilling air adventure of Jimmy Allen. Jimmy Allen and Speed Robertson are approaching the latter stages of their stunt flying for the movies. 
but their company, Mammoth Studios, is lagging behind its competitor, Pacific Studios, who are also filming an air picture. The executives of the Mammoth Company are convinced Pacific Studios have stolen their story, but are looking for proof that would stand up in court. Jimmy is convinced Nails Ballou was responsible for the theft, and he has devised a plan to prove it. It is nine o'clock of a bright, sunny morning. Flying has been underway for several hours. Jimmy and Roy Phelps are standing on the line, watching the furious activity, and Jimmy is saying... Okay, Roy, I think this is the ideal time right now. Everybody's out on the field now, Jim. I don't see anyone over near the Pacific Pilots' quarters. Now, Baloo and his gang are scheduled to do some formation flying at 9 o'clock, and that's what I've been waiting for. The, the only thing is they haven't taken off as yet. Well, look across the field there, in front of the Pacific hangar. That bunch of men all together, isn't that Baloo and his crowd? Hmm? Where? Oh, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, that big bareheaded fellow who talks with his hands so much is Pelletier, the Pacific studio director. He must be explaining to Baloo and the pilots just what he wants. They must be getting ready to take off. See those mechanics? They're scattering to the ships already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of them's climbed into that ME-109 cockpit at the end of the line, and another's gone around front to turn over the prop. Yeah, you're right, sure enough. And there go two others to the next ship. Yeah, they're certainly getting underway, all right. Hey, Jim, hadn't we better get started? No, no, wait a minute, Roy. I want to see Baloo actually leave the ground before we even make a move. If he should happen to notice us going over that way, he might become suspicious. Oh, by the way, are you clear in your mind as to just what we're going to do? Well, you went over everything last night, but I'm not sure I remember everything. Maybe you better tell me again, Jim. Well, here's the plan. Just as soon as Baloo and his pilots take off, we'll start back of the hangar here and then go back to our pilots' quarters and then around the edge of the field and finally we'll end up over at the Pacific quarters. Now, we'll take our time in going over, just sort of saunter along as though we didn't have anything particular in mind. Just as if we were out for a little morning walk, is that the idea? And that's it, exactly. And when we get over there, we'll sort of just mosey around the building to be sure nobody's around. Just as though we were a couple of Pacific pilots, huh? And that's right. Then after we get inside, what do we do? Oh, we've got to work like mad then, Roy. We'll have to find out where Baloo bunks, and then we've got to go through his stuff and in a hurry. Boy, that's certainly taking a chance, Jim. If Baloo or any of his men caught us over there, it'd be just too bad. Well, that's a chance we've just got to take. Now, we're all sure that Baloo stole the idea for their picture from the Mammoth Company script, which he had in his possession for a little while. But, Roy, we've just got to prove it. If we can, Pacific Studios will never dare release their picture. Gosh, Jim, I sure hope we can find out something. Hey, look, Baloo's pilots are getting into the ships. You're right. Yeah, and the ship down at the end there is starting to taxi out already. Why... Why, I'm sure Nails Baloo is in that cockpit. Well, how can you tell, Jim? Well, most of the time, Baloo flies without any helmet, wears just a pair of goggles, and the pilot in that ship hasn't any helmet on. Yeah, that's Baloo, all right. I recognize his reddish-brown hair. Uh-huh. And there go the rest of the ships. They're getting all set, too. Oh, look. Baloo stopped and turned around. Okay, come on, Roy. Let's start walking over back of our hangar. Okay, Jim, let's go. Say, where is Speed and the rest of our bunch? Oh, they're down at the end of the field near our ships. Speed's there, and Flash Lewis, Cliff Banks, Frank Miles, and oh, two or three of the mechanics. Now, Speed knows what we're going to do, and he'll keep an eye on us. If anything should happen, if we get caught over there, he and the bunch will come over and on the double. Then there'd be a free-for-all, huh, Jim? <laughs> I guess so. But don't you worry, Roy. Our bunch can take care of themselves, all right. Now, you take Flash Lewis, for example. You never think he'd be able to fight, but boy, you ought to see that fellow in action. And I know what Speed can do. I've seen him perform. I'd be willing to bet he can lick his weight in wildcats. Oh, I'll say. 
You know, Roy, Speed doesn't believe in fighting, but he'll fight when he has to, and there isn't anyone in the world I'd rather have around than Speed on my side in such a situation. Look, they're both blue and he's pilots. They sure are. Boy, what a formation. Isn't that a knockout, Jim? Oh, I hate to say it, but you gotta hand it to that gang. They sure can fly. Look how close together those ships are, though, would you? That's really a tight formation, and I don't mean maybe. Yeah, and seven of them, too. And from a small field. I'll bet there isn't four feet clearance between Baloo's ship and the men flying number two and three positions. Well, less than that, I think, Roy. And if you ask me, there's going to be a bad crash if they keep that sort of thing up. You know, there's no use taking chances like that when they're not shooting a scene. Oh, well, that's their business, not ours. Come on, we better walk a little faster. We're down at the end of the field now, and we might as well get this job over with as soon as we can. Okay, Jim. Hey, but tell me, what are we going to look for? What kind of proof do we need that Baloo stole his story? The way Speed and I have it doped out, Roy, is this. Baloo probably made some notes from the script which Mr. Milliken gave him, and then the Pacific story was made up from those notes. Now, if we could find something like that over in Baloo's quarters and bring it back to Mr. Stewart, we're all set. Yeah, but if Baloo did anything like that, he'd probably be too smart to leave any evidence lying around. Maybe so. Baloo's pretty shrewd, all right, but, well, you never can tell. Four or five days ago, when we were helping Baloo and his gang with one of their air scenes, we were all standing around Baloo's Messerschmitt, and he and Mr. Pelletier, their director, were looking at a script. Then Pelletier laid it down on the lower wing of the plane, and I started looking at it. Right away, Baloo saw me and grabbed it out of my hand. Say, that sure looks as though he didn't want you to see it, doesn't it? I'll say... And believe me, Roy, I'd certainly like to get my hands on whatever it was he had. Well, here we are, Jim. There's a Pacific Pilot's quarters. Right. Now, well, let's start walking around the building. Yeah, the windows are all open, just like you said. I don't see anybody around here. Now, most of the pilots are in the air, and the rest of them are the mechanics, and they're over there on the line. Where's the director, Mr. Pelletier? Oh, I think he must be in their camera ship at the present time. You know, it took off just after the M.E.s did. Yeah. Well, here we are at the building, Jim. Shall we go in? Mm, I, I don't think anyone's noticed this. Yeah, come on. In we go. Look, Jim. There are two private rooms up at this end, and the rest of the building is just one large room with a lot of bunks in it. I don't think Baloo would sleep out there, do you? No, no, I don't, Roy. One of these two private rooms must be his. Oh, here. This door's open. Let's go in. Yeah. There's a locker trunk over by the window, Jim. Fine. Look at the name on it. That'll tell us quick enough. Here, I'll, I'll put the top down. No, this isn't Baloo's room, Jim. See, the name is R.G. Hunter. Yeah, well, there's no use wasting any more time in here. Come on, into the other room we go now. Hey, look. The door's closed there. Gee, Jim, we don't dare break the door down. Say, I'll tell you what. Let's go outside and come in by the window. It might be open. No, no, that wouldn't be so good, Roy. Somebody might see us crawling in the window and get suspicious. Now, look, this seems to be just an ordinary door lock. See if there isn't a key of the door to the room we were just in. Okay, Jim. Just a minute. There is, Jim. Inside the door. Here we are. Good, good. Now, put it in the lock and see if it'll work with this door. Right. It works. It works, Roy. Open her up. Look, Jim. There's a desk in here. Right you are. And there's a locker trunk over by the wall. Ah, wait till I see what the name is. 
Yep, this is Baloo's room, all right, see? T.W. Baloo on the top of the trunk. Hey, but I thought his first name was Nails. No, no, that's just a nickname. Speed says they called him Nails over in Europe because he was so hard. Hey, look over here on the desk, Jim. See this letter? Hmm? It's addressed to T.W. Baloo, Care of Pacific Studios. Come on, we've got to work in a hurry. Yeah, I, don't, I don't see anything on the top of the desk here that seems important. Yeah, I think we'd better get going through these drawers in the desk, though. Now, you take the ones on the left, and I'll take the ones on the right. Okay. Look, Jim, look. Look at this. Hmm? It looks just like the script I've seen in Mr. Stewart's hands. Yeah? Let's see it. Here you are. But it doesn't say anything about coffin nails. Mm, let me look. No? No, there's no title at all. But say, what do you know about this? What? Well, I was looking at Mr. Stewart's script, and there were 140 pages in it. And this has 140 pages, too. Let's look at the beginning. Yeah. Look, Roy. The first sequences are exactly the same as in Mr. Stewart's script. I know what this is. It's an exact copy of the coffin nail script. Jim, I'll bet I know what Baloo did. He had a copy made of the coffin nail script before he gave it back to Mr. Milligan. That's exactly what he did. And, and look here. Here, right here on the second page. Yeah. See along this margin? Uh-huh. There's some changes in handwriting. And I'll bet that's Baloo's writing. There isn't any doubt of it in my mind. Oh, Roy, won't Mr. Stewart be tickled when he sees this? I bet this'll fix that fellow, Baloo. Look, Jim, look at this. Here's another script. It's entitled The Black Swastika. Well, that's the name of the picture Pacific Studios are doing. And I'll bet their script was made up from this one Baloo had copied. Come on, Roy. We'll take both of them and get out of here as fast as we can. I'll put them here inside my flying jacket. Now, push those drawers back and let's arrange everything the way it was. Okay. Everything's just as it was, Jim. Come on, let's get out of here. Yeah, that looks good. Now, let's lock this door, though, and we'll just put the key back in that other door where it was. Okay, I put it back. All right. Now, out we go and out the front door. Hey, it looks like Baloo and his gang are through with their flying. Yeah, look, Jim. The ships are all in the pattern. Uh-huh. They're already peeling off. Yeah, you're right. Now, come on, Roy. Let's walk across this field here. Uh-oh. Yeah, I think I see Stuart over there talking to Speed. Oh, I want to show him what we found as soon as I can. See? Oh, that was... I'll say I do, Roy. That was Nails Baloo. And, and I'm afraid he saw us. Come on, let's get over across that field as quickly as we can. Hurry. Come on, Roy, come on. There's Mr. Stewart talking to Speed. Yeah, won't he be surprised when he sees this? Oh, I'll say he will. Speed! Speed, Mr. Stewart! Here, look at this. Don't say a word. Just cast your eyes on this manuscript. Here you are. This is just what we need to prove that Baloo stole our story. It looks as though Nails Baloo's crooked career was about finished. But a terrific surprise is in store. Don't miss the next episode of The Air Adventures of Jimmy Allen. The Air Adventures of Jimmy Allen was an adventure series written for children and teenagers and broadcast from 1933 until 1947. Hundreds of thousands of youngsters were held in thrall by the exploits of Jimmy, who personified the finest of the ideals of a young American hero of the period, courage, resourcefulness, and moral rectitude. As a protege of World War I flying ace, Speed Robertson, Jimmy learned the tricks of the trade and enrolled in flying school, 
eventually to emerge as a 16-year-old flying ace who traveled the world solving mysteries and participating in air show races. Writers Bob Burt and Bill Moore, who were both former World War I flying aces, drew upon their personal experiences to infuse an element of authenticity in their scripts. Sponsor, Skelly Oil, provided a number of promotional items, much prized as collector's items today. The Skelly Allen promotions, including Jimmy Allen air races attended by tens of thousands throughout the Midwest, are considered among the most ambitious campaigns of early radio. In 1936, the series was adapted to, to film The Sky Parade, a Paramount vehicle about the post-war adventures of World War I pilots. The film featured some of the cast from the radio show playing different parts. Inevitably, the show's popularity waned and the writers eventually moved on to create and script a new boys' adventure series, Captain Midnight. During World War II, the scripts were updated and reworked, and these new episodes were aired in Kansas from 1946 to 1947. Repeat episodes of the show were heard on various stations throughout the country until the mid-1950s. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week.